today's program has been brought to you by the Greenhouse Tavern, one of Bon Appetit magazine's top 10 restaurants in America. For more information, visit www.thegreenhousetavern.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Episode 58 of The Morning After. Good I'm, afternoon. I'm your host, Jesse Kiefer. I am Gentella Columbus Kiefer. I'm really excited for today's show. We have a couple serious celebrities in studio. We really do. You and I. <laughs> Not really, actually. In studio. Jesse Kiefer, ladies and gentlemen, she will be here for the rest of her life. <laughs> that laugh, that infectious laugh, is that of Erin Fairbanks. She's our executive director here at Heritage Radio Network. She's also the host of The Farm Report. Welcome Woo! to the studio, Erin. Thanks for having me, ladies. She's here because she's going to give us one of the most exclusive what's on the menu at Chardonnay's we've ever experienced. My gums are tingling with anticipation. I think that's because you've been a vegan for the past It's also because I weeks. haven't flossed since 1986. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Also in studio today, Eamon Rocky, owner and general manager of Aska in Williamsburg. It's so hot right now. Happy to be here. I'm here to actually find out what's on the menu at Chardonnay's. Well, I mean, I'm glad it's the catching on. <laughs> oh, we're going to tell you. What else are we going to tell you? Well, I think we're going to tell you about front of house. Front of house? You know, our... It's your favorite story. It's front of house. It's a front of house. Really got to find out who made that jingle. That thing is gold. I hear um, she's expensive. She is expensive. She's also incredibly good looking. So front of house, our, our segment where we, we investigate, we tell the stories of the, uh, the blunders and mishaps of the front of house servers, bartenders, managers. And lucky as we are, we are uh, going to be graced yet again with the presence of the, the lovely and talented Baroness Olivier, the Dame Joan Plyright, the Baroness Olivier, who so generously has agreed again to come in studio just to read this segment for us. So I'm, she's, she's finishing her drink. Are you, you going to be good? Is she, she's finished. She's ready. It was below freezing the night I met Celebrity X. After an armful of Grammy wins, relationship shockers, and a brief stint in booze as anonymous, Celebrity X had established herself as bona fide pop royalty. I, a lowly nervous-handed plebeian, had no chance against her powers. I was nearing the end of my shift that night at Restaurant X, a newly erected gastropub on the Lower East Side. Dinner had been quiet that evening as I polished a bucket of demitasse. I dreamt of what I had waiting at home. Peanut butter-filled pretzels, at least two cans of Modelo, and five full seasons of West Wing streaming on Netflix. My lips tingled with anticipation. Don't wind down just yet, I heard my boss whisper in passing as he sauntered through the dining room on a phone call. He covered the phone with one hand and winked at me. We have a special guest coming after hours, he said. I'm losing my shit. He was an excitable gay Irishman and routinely rolled his eyes back in his head whenever something w went decidedly good or bad. Celebrity X, as it turned out, was not only on her way, a friend of a friend of a friend who called Restaurant X and requested that they stay open past the normal two o'clock closing time to accommodate her crew, but was on her way with a bus full of 30 loud-talking star fuckers. They would be given whatever they wanted, I was told, and I would be their girl slave until they felt fit to leave. I heard her before I saw her. 
Celebrity X's entrance was the stuff of magic. In she glided, her able-bodied security outfit forming a human wall around her, feet barely touching the floor as she removed her diamond-studded sunglasses. I hovered in the corner with my hands in my pocket, trying to appear as if I was unfazed by it all, when she stopped, looked me over, and said with a hiss, Are you mine? I am serving you, yes, I said. She frowned, let out a long, dissatisfied sigh, and walked back to the bar. And so it was that I found myself carrying a tray of sixty chilled Patron shots to a crowd of designer-clad nineteen-year-olds, each somehow barking orders at me without once making eye contact. I felt as if I'd somehow been transported into that scene in Eyes Wide Shut, only instead of masks, my cloaked aggressors were in Manolo Blonics and draped silk. At one point, a young woman with blunt-cut bangs and a lisp asked me, Do you like being a waitress? To which I jokingly replied, Not half as much as I love being a rapper. The joke was not received, and the next thing I knew, I was being dragged by the arm like a ragdoll and deposited on the sidewalk in front of the restaurant by lispy bangs. Stay here, she said. I was too terrified to contest. It was mid-January, and I tried to make smoke rings with my breath before remembering that that doesn't work. And lispy bangs was back this time with a group of others, including, to my shock, Celebrity X. She's a rapper, screamed Lispy. I tried to save myself. Oh, no, no, not really, I said. I mean, I do do it, but I mean, it's just silly stuff. A hobby, really. Celebrity X sucked on a cigarette as if the last remaining oxygen on Earth was stored in its filter and said, let's hear a rap then. Nigel, rap against her, like a battle. What happened next can only be described as biblical. A battle did indeed ensue, and Nigel, though very drunk, was a noble competitor. I kept up as best I could, Celebrity X laughing and clapping like a schoolgirl seeing her first circus. I was instructed to, quote, get dirtier by Celebrity X, and never one to disobey authority. I ended with a grand finish that included a line about twisting Nigel's men parts in a knot like a pretzel and selling them at a hot dog stand. Everyone seemed generally pleased by this, and I was declared the winner. Four hours later, as the sun rose on the after-party, Celeb X and crew began to file out. On her way to her tour bus, security beasts standing by, she grabbed my face with two hands, and she kissed me. She held the kiss for what seemed like three solid minutes, and I held my hands awkwardly at my side, eyes bulging. You're a star, she said, and with that, she was gone. I walked to the Q train in a daze, not sure of whether to call my best friend to squeal or file a police report. When I finally arrived home, peanut butter pretzels staring at me from their station on the kitchen counter, I knew suddenly and soberly that I was, at last, a woman. Thank you. Thanks, Dane. We'll be right back on the morning after with Eamon Rocky of Aska and Williamsburg. You're listening to I Get Pretty Upset by Controller on the Heritage Radio Network.org.
We'd like to give a big welcome to our newest business members, Jonathan and Amelia Sawyer, at the Greenhouse Tavern in Cleveland, Ohio. Their restaurant follows green principles of organic and environmentally friendly ingredients while using recyclables and highly developed methods of composting, sourcing alternative energy, and focusing on conservation practices. To learn more, visit their website, www.greenhousetavern.com. To learn more about becoming a business member, email us, info at heritageradionetwork.org. We're back here on the morning after. He's worked at some of the finest restaurants in Manhattan, but now he's taken the Scandinavian train over the bridge and into Brooklyn. Owner and general manager of Aska in Williamsburg, Eamon Rocky. Nice to be here. It's great to see you. Um, Aska, I've been seeing press about it all over the place. First off, what does it mean? What does Aska mean? Aska is a Swedish word that refers to uh, ashes. Um, the, the story behind it is sort of that uh, it grew out of the inspiration of Frey, a uh, mm-hmm. pop-up that was inside of Kinfolk Studios. With a uh, lot of, of good feedback. A lot of good feedback, absolutely. Uh, they did some really cool things. Um, uh, Frey means seed, and uh, the seed grew into, into Frey. Um, and the cheesy story is that, you know, though it no longer is around, uh, from its ashes is Aska. So the, the chef from Frey has partnered with you uh, to open Aska, and it's, it's going to be a permanent restaurant. It's yes. not going to be like a pop-up. In, in well, we serve dinner seven nights a week. Uh, okay. Frey did three. Um, the space is, is open. We serve coffee during the day. Uh, really amazing coffee program and uh, some cool pastries and things like that going on as well. So how do you set up for dinner? You do a tasting menu, like, what is it, Sunday through Thursday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have dinner Friday, Saturday. The, uh, the a la carte menu is available uh, seven Always. days a week, exactly. And okay. we additionally serve a uh, tasting menu, which we have reserved, uh, um, that we have received quite a bit of you know, buzz about Sunday through Thursday. So, have you, so do you have to like, break things down and kind of reconfigure the space? Every... Not as much as you think, okay. no. Is it, and it's Kinfolk Studios, so that means it's like a, a design studio or Kinfolk Studios sort of studio? uh, is is an amazing uh, group of uh, group of people that do graphic design. They have a bar in Tokyo. Um, they design bikes. It's all all sorts of cool stuff. Um, and we've partnered with them to utilize their space for for Asuka. So, how did the partnership between uh, you and uh, Frederick Brasilius uh, happen? He's he's your chef. Sure, yeah. Uh, he came into Atera, where I was in uh, Tribeca. Um, I had worked on that and that team uh, for a couple of years, and uh, I was looking to to move on to something else and and build something of my own. And uh, when he came in, uh, it sort of resonated with him. We were tasting many centric restaurants, pretty progressive, and um, after dining there, I. I joined him for dinner at Frey and had a really amazing meal um, and we decided to work together and he was already looking for a partner to, to kind of reconfigure the the idea sure I mean pop-ups are, are a lot of fun but I mean there's usually a reason behind them you know a, a great chef or, or a great team trying to showcase something special and, and they if they're great like Frey was great uh, garner a lot of attention and often lead to bigger and better things so you you're not only the general manager you've <clears throat> You've put together the cocktail program. Sure. Mm-hmm. Correct. So uh, what's... I, and I've heard you're doing some wild things. I mean, wild, wild and kombucha. Wild or, and sure. crazy. Like co- kombucha cocktails and sure. energy drinks and things sure. like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those are those are fun buzzwords. But, you know, the idea behind them is is that there's a story behind a lot of a lot of what mm-hmm. we do. And, and for me, that's... that's 
something that I'm trying to have be step one as opposed to the last step in the creation of a cocktail uh, in, a, in a beverage program as a whole. You know, whenever, whenever you talk to a bartender about a drink, you know, they've usually already nailed down what they want to serve, what the ingredients are, what the proportions are, how they're going to serve it. And then they're like, okay, what does it remind me of? You know, how do I name it? You know, how do I relate this to our world? Um, and, and it's usually the last step. Uh, and that's fine, um, but I, I think I think for me, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to do something a bit more dynamic with the cocktail program at Asuka and with my future, uh, and have that be the first step. Um, I, I want I want to see you know something inspiring uh, lead to uh, a series of of steps or investigations or experiments or whatever it may be uh, that eventually makes something beautiful uh, as opposed to the other way around. Um, so with regard to the kombucha, for instance, you know it's far less about the kombucha and more and more about the investment of time and energy and thought. Um, whenever I was in Scandinavia. Uh, at a restaurant called Favikin. Um, uh, the chef is Magnus Nilsson, a really inspiring chef. Uh, and he, he served a dish that was the that were these tiny little potatoes that were almost no bigger than a marble in most cases that were cooked in, in leaves that had fermented for over a year in the snow on the mountain beside the restaurant. Uh, and so we went out and dug up these leaves, but you know, it was really cold up mm-hmm. there and so they were they were preserved but they slowly fermented over the course of this time. And he roasted the potatoes in the leaves and whenever you smell the dish it's just you know placed in front of you and it's just this big pile of leaves with all these little potatoes in it and you know there's only two ingredients but it, the aroma of of that of that dish is just unreal i'll never forget it and, and it was it was reminiscent of puer tea um a, a style of very deeply dark fermented tea uh, that i i've always loved and <clears throat> i wanted i wanted to I wanted to pay an homage to that to that dish, um, and so I, I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, well, how do I how do I do that? What what was what was so engaging about that presentation? And so for me, it was about time and fermentation and the leaves. And so uh, you know, it made perfect sense to use uh, a technique like kombucha. And you know, you say kombucha, and, and people automatically have all these all these reference points for it. You know, the sort of new age and, and you know yogi lifestyle, blah blah blah. And that's fine. I've, I, I have no problem being associated with that. I think it's great. But um, ultimately, kombucha for me is is uh, a unique fermentation that is indicative of a time and a place and a series of ingredients. And and you know, the person who puts those things together. Um, and so. Uh, it's constantly evolving as well. It's a living organism. Um, and so we use puer tea, which is highly atypical for, for kombucha, and uh, combine it with uh, raw sugar and aquavit as a, as a very distinct nod to Scandinavia and a bit of caraway, which is uh, a very big part of the cuisine and culture. And, you know, through, um, through a, only a very few number of ingredients, but investment of months of time you know we're six months in and it's still growing and evolving and changing and uh and you have something quite unique i've always wondered this at what quantity do you ferment it like how how big a batch well it can be anything you want you know the one that we that we utilize at at asuka is uh is large enough that it's able to support itself you know uh, we we draw off of it think of it like a solera almost um we draw off of it in in quantity that that supports our ability to produce the cocktail um and uh and still and still maintain some relative consistency i mean the batch changes and that's what's cool about it it's it's growing and so it's living um and and it's it's unique time to time to time um but uh but you could do it in a smaller batch certainly most people do yeah, or larger. I'm just thinking that's so incredible. You could you could have this drink, you know, today, 
and then you could have this drink, you know, in, in two months. And it you should. Com- I an entirely different thing. <laughs> Not sh- you should. And I, I do. I love that, like that focus, that commitment, and mm. and that's certainly taking cocktails beyond yeah. beyond what a lot of people are doing. Um, the the kind of Scandinavian seems to be a buzzword as well right now yeah. uh, with Acme kind of uh, you know recreating itself and and becoming still Acme, but uh, he I believe that the chef was. Mads. Yeah, was one of the, the, the opening chefs for Noma, mm-hmm. and Noma is huge right now. Mm-hmm. How you know? How is the reception of, of your version of Scandinavian restaurant coming? Well, it's an interesting um, it's an interesting thought. You know, I, I'm not the chef, uh, and and I think that you know Frederick could certainly comment on that uh, as far as the cuisine is concerned, and his background uh, as as a, a Swede himself um, better than I. But you know, what I constantly go back to with regards to Scandinavia is that. It, it's much more philosophical than it is um, than it is anything else. You know, it, it doesn't require a pantry that that uh, has an A to Z list of all the things you need to produce that style of food. You know, um, the cool thing about uh, uh, Scandinavian cuisine in, in you know an outsider's loose uh, vocabulary, from my perspective, is that you know it, it, it can exist anywhere in the world. Uh, it's about it's about how you think about things. You know, doing things with intention and and actually thinking about what can be what can be produced from from every aspect of of an ingredient and how it can become something beautiful and how it can maintain its its integrity as an ingredient um, without without being a slave to tradition uh, for the sake of being a slave to tradition. Which and I love tradition, but you know it should have a purpose. Um, you know, if you're doing something because it's it's the way that it's been done for 500 years, and you know 500 years ago they they looked at things very differently than we we do right now then you know i think that it's time it's time to say why don't we do it the way that uh is most fitting to our day and to our time and to our place um so you know whenever we think about you know we, we were referring to cocktails a minute ago when we think about cocktails uh are we making a shandy with uh, lemonade and beer because it's always been made with lemon and beer or are we saying to ourselves um you know well, ultimately, it needs to have beer, but you know, why why couldn't we use vinegar instead? So, how about we take the same beer that we're going to make the cocktail with, and over the course of a few months or weeks or whatever, we make our own vinegar with it, and we use that to make it sour. And like, okay, well, what season is it? Um, persimmons are really great right now, or pears are really great now, or you know, if it's summer, it's raspberries, or whatever it may be. You know, whatever is growing in our region, whatever we're able to to source that is that is beautiful and 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 uh, a reference point for New Yorkers, you know. Um, why don't we find the right combination of, of what is available to us and think about what makes this shandy delicious and, you know, do, do persimmon with uh, a, a dark beer for winter and, you know, f- fermented uh, 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 malt vinegar that we make in-house, you know, and, and produce something that is, that is stylistically quite, uh, quite unique, but also, you know, it, it is in and of itself uh, actually a shandy. And so, to me, what you're, what you know, what you're saying sounds like Scandinavian just kind of follows along that the local, yeah, sourcing. it's very pure, yeah, and yeah, yeah. So in in Williamsburg, I don't I don't necessarily think of a tasting menu at a restaurant in Williamsburg. I know like Marlowe and Diner are doing cool food. Um, Isa, it, in its first incarnation, was sure. amazing. Ignacio is incredibly talented. Yeah. And uh, you know, what is the I guess what has the feedback been from people living in the neighborhood? Oh man, we've had such wonderful feedback. Um, the the cool thing about Asuka is that you know you can come in for a, a phenomenal cappuccino, 
at nine o'clock in the morning uh, from from uh, Dallas Brothers Coffee, is our roaster uh, that's been around for over a hundred years in Queens, and I think that's fun. And you know, the milk we use is is from a cooperative of dairies that are in the area. Um, and we're not doing these things because you know we we're we're looking to you know stand on a soapbox and say, hey, we're local, we're local, we're local. We're doing them because you know it feels like the right thing to do, and because we can have relationships with the people um, that that are in our neighborhood, and it feels good to be able to talk to a person, you know. Um, and then you come in in the afternoon or the evening, and, and you can have, you know, some potato dumplings that are delicious and, and easygoing and drink a beer and, and, uh, and really sort of just relax. And if you want to, you can certainly make a reservation for our tasting menu. And uh, we tried to keep it as approachable as possible so as many people can, can uh, sit down for it as, as, as you know, are interested. Um, the, uh, the pairings that accompany them in the beverage program, the service program, is all intended to be something that is casual but also very attentive and, and applicable, appropriate, um, so that you know, it's, it's seamless integration, something that's been more and more and more uh, important to me over the course of the years, making sure that everything belongs on the same page. So you're kind of taking what you learned in, in the fine dining world at 11 Madison Park and at Atara and kind of making it for everyone. Absolutely. Well, you know, the, the evolution of it began uh, at, or at least began to manifest itself at Aterra, you know, building that service program, building the, the, the beverage program, and starting to think about things in terms of uh, what is befitting for the space, what is going to make this the most impactful experience possible, as opposed to, you know, what are people going to expect and how can I meet those expectations? You know, meeting expectations is certainly important, but if, you're, if your goal is to meet expectations, it's very difficult to surpass them. Uh, as opposed to um, how can I exceed expectations by thinking about things in, in their in most fundamental states. So if people want to come experience what you guys are doing, uh, where can they go to make reservations to learn about you? You should go on our website. Okay. AskaNYC.com. And are there any availabilities? Oh, sure. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I was assuming, like, I, I feel like I read on Eater that, like, all Asuka you know, tasting many reservations are booked for like the next, you know, four months or something. <laughs> Could we drop your name? Uh, you can. You, I, I would be honored, but I don't know if anybody would recognize it. Um, you know, uh, we've we've been we've been. Uh, I've tried to think about how to make sure that we are as approach as approachable as possible. So, um, in so doing, you know, we don't let reservations out uh, four months because mm-hmm. you know. If we're a fully reserved restaurant for four months, then we miss out on a large, a large uh, segment of the clientele, that, a demographic that I would like to see come and join us, and that is that is the neighborhood, you know. So uh, we try to make sure that that uh, reservations are made available within uh, within a time frame that that neighborhood folks and, and New Yorkers and you know people just who happen to swing by and visit New Yorkers um, mm-hmm. can come in, come and dine with us. And it's also across the street from the White Hotel. Yeah, those guys are great. I, I'm so grateful that we were able to open up across from them. They're amazing. So do you have a lot of people being sent from White to, to you guys? Uh, you know, I, I know that there have been quite a few. Uh, the White is, um, the White is uh, a darling for, for people in, in my industry, uh, you know, people who build bars and people who build restaurants, great chefs, you know. So every once in a while, you know, we'll get an email from somebody saying, hey, I'm at the White, you know, I own a restaurant in, you know, this crazy obscure place in Spain. And, you know, I've been reading about you and, and it's, it's just so humbling and, and so cool to, to, um, to uh, experience that and, and to have, you know, great, uh, great thinkers from across the world that are staying across the street uh, come and dine with us. 
Well, I'm I'm one of the lucky few who actually has a reservation there tomorrow, which <laughs> is completely coincidence, and I, I can't wait to check it out. Thank you so Cannot much for being on the show, Eamon. Thank you. And uh, you're going to stick around for what's on the menu at Chardonnay's. We'll get the Scandinavian version, too. Awesome. All right. We'll be right back on the morning after. <coughs> Avoid large places at night. Keep to small... Correction, you've been listening to Space Disease, not Controller. This one's called Death Drop on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Tuesday at 12 p.m., you can call food scientist Dave Arnold and ask any question you want. John from Chicago, you're on the air. Hey, hey, Dave. Who am I fooling? This is horrible stuff. Without glutamic acid, you die. It is a matter of taste, but there's a lot more fat in sausage than you think. Get ahead of the curve. Tune into Cooking Issues every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And we're back on the morning after... In studio, Aaron Fairbanks, my boss, executive <laughs> director, my Heritage hero. Radio Network. How's I'm it going? I'm blushing. How does it feel to be here on a Sunday when you're here all the time? You know, it's interesting because usually during the day it, it gets you know busy for lunch, but it's never Sunday busy. Oh, Sunday busy is like like balls to the wall, hipsters to the Sunday wall. Sunday busy is downright dangerous. <laughs> I typically come with knee pads, but... I'm actually I'm wearing dry knee pads. You are. Erin <laughs> actually is in her, her best exercise gear, which is the perfect outfit to wear at Chardonnay's. The age-old question. I really would love to know. What's on the menu at Chardonnay's? So sweet of Chardonnay to do that for us. Chardonnay is our our mythical restaurant in anywhere town USA and actually worldwide. Oh yeah, we've gone international. Yeah, we've gone to France with Chardonnays. So I'm looking to to extend it to other countries. Um, But, you know, celebrating all bad food and wine trends is just, that's a global thing. It brings the people together. So, Aaron, you, uh, you, you worked at Savoy, you spearheaded charcuterie program at Gramercy Tavern, you spearheaded No Goat Left Behind for Heritage <laughs> Foods USA. I think you're my meat gal, and <laughs> I would really love to know what sort of meat is on the menu at Chardonnay's. 
Well, as Chardonnays, I think there's really one trend when it comes to meat that stands out above the rest, and that is the pairing of meat and fruit. <laughs> um, meat is good, but meat is somehow better with fruit. So I, I was torn, you know, uh, taking a look, I would probably start out with a little sauteed foie gras on a, a pineapple <laughs> with a little cinnamon sauce. Because um, also, nothing can be too sweet at Chardonnays. Nothing. Canned pineapple, right? Uh, including the Chardonnay. Including the Chardonnay. The sweeter, the better. It actually probably would do well in my neighborhood. Slightly oak. It's in a, it's in a jug, I think. <laughs> With a spout. Um, and then, you know, I, I get kind of more torn when it comes to my entree selection because there's so many um, compelling options. Uh, I, was, I was, you know, pulled towards the peachy pork picante on a bed of confetti rice. <laughs> um, real blending of cultures there. A little sweet, sweet porky flavor mm. um it's kind of like al pastor <laughs> exactly pinata well i think confetti rice is you know really pretty exciting um or maybe just a simple steak with like a lovely cabernet butter maybe some fresh ground black pepper table side obviously yes and a few grilled figs sounds delicious <laughs> um but you know one of the, my big concerns um is really watching my weight making sure that i have something lean and um you know that keeps my figure where i want it to be so in that area i'm looking at chicken obviously and then it really comes down to a choice whether i want grilled lime chicken or maybe um a little roasted chicken with candied lemon Mm. but sometimes you know after taking a look at the menu i get just a little overwhelmed by all the delicious choices and just say screw it and go home and order hawaiian pizza (laughs) That's, I feel like that menu may be the, that may be the Stoner's Chardonnay. Stoner's Chardonnay tasting menu. Stoner's Chardonnay tasting menu. So what is on the, the, the Scandinavian Chardonnay's tasting menu? Lots I mean, of herring. <laughs> Definitely lots of herring. <laughs> lots of herring. <laughs> Pickled. And sour cream. For sure. Some rye. I don't know. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I love it. I can't wait to eat Chardonnay's my, meat My fest. great... I'm sorry, I would never speak through that. My great-great-grandmother came over on a boat from Sweden and uh, made a lot of herring. A lot of, I had the pleasure of meeting her. She, she passed when I was about 10, so I got to hang out with her a couple of times. And it was pretty much exclusively fish and meatballs. I never saw a green on the plate. She was also 96. So. It's pretty crazy going to going to Stockholm. And, and, you know, I thought that Swedish meatballs were something that was con- constrained to Ikea and, and I was you know, say. storybooks. But it's completely <laughs> no. untrue. No, it's for real. It is like, for real. And they mean yeah. it. I met another, I met another New Yorker in, in Stockholm. And she jokingly referred to the time between 12 and 1 as a meatball hour. Because <laughs> the... It's like tea time. It's insane. Um, uh, but it's true. Uh, in Stockholm, everybody gets off t- for lunch at noon and goes to the same restaurants in, in the same neighborhoods and uh, has meatballs. And, and wow. it, they're amazing. Um, and the craziest thing for me is that, like, you see all these guys in suits and, like, wearing blazers and stuff. And, and you know, they're with their buddies or their coworkers. And so they're, they're getting these platters of meatballs and, like, lingonberries and mashed potatoes. And, and they're all drinking milk and beer. It's this, it's the coolest thing. It's strange, but very great cool. on a hot day. Yeah, uh, amazing. Like double well, fisting milk and beer, or that's a shandy I would uh, like to take. <laughs> <laughs> right there. It's not far off from what I. Do. Um, but um, but uh, 
you know, we do have a clarified milk punch on the menu. But mm. um, having said that, it's it's pretty amazing to to see to see that. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Well, we'll have to maybe we'll do um, just a meatball specific chardonnays one day. Oh, one hundred. It'll just be variations, overtures on a meatball, if you will. So in the meantime, the IKEA Cafe is the Scandinavian chardonnays. Oh, it totally is. Until we find yeah. a better one. Absolutely. Thank for you sure. so much for being on the show, guys. Aaron, what's coming up next on the Farm Report? I am interviewing Eric Hoffner of the Ryan Institute. Uh, an amazing publication. It's been around for about 30 years. We're going to kind of talk about the role of media and advocacy in the egg world. Fantastic. And anything, any events, any new stuff coming up at ASCA? Well, I think you should join us for Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. so romantic, right? Really romantic. Love to do that. Are there candles? Uh, we always have candles. And roses? Um, and pink champagne? Can well, I have persimmon in my shandy? I'm sorry, that was the Chardonnay's Valentine's You can Day. definitely have persimmon in your shandy. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Freddie's really into, into Ophal, so you never know. I mean, you're, eat your heart out at, at uh, <laughs> sc- <laughs> Scandinavian <laughs> Valentine's Day at Asuka. And on that note, yeah. this is the morning after on heritageradionetwork.org. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.